This is Alumni Allowed, a podcast by Graduate Center students for Graduate Center students. In each episode, we talk with a GC graduate about their career path, the ins and outs of their current position, and the career advice they have for students. This series is sponsored by the Graduate Center's Office of Career Planning and Professional Development. I'm Abby Turner, a PhD candidate in educational psychology at the Graduate Center. I work in the Office of Career Planning and Professional Development, and I interviewed Alana, who earned her PhD in Classics from the Graduate Center. She is now an assistant professor of foreign languages and literatures at Valparaiso University. Today I'm on the phone with Alana Karras, and she got her PhD in Classics from the Graduate Center, and she is now an assistant professor at Valparaiso University in Indiana. So she's going to walk us through her professional journey and how she ended up as an assistant professor at Valparaiso. And she'll talk a little bit about what she does and also hopefully give us some tips for the job search for faculty positions. Hi, Alana. Hello, how are you? Good, thanks for joining us. Why don't you start off giving us some background going through graduate school, and I know you also have a master's degree. Walk us through that and then your professional experience after leaving the graduate center. I ended up going to a small liberal arts school myself. I did not major in classics, however, until afterwards I realized, okay, maybe I should try out a teaching career path. So then I went to the University of Dallas to get my master's in humanities, but I went there primarily to learn Greek and work a little more on my Latin in preparation for PhD applications. So I went to University of Dallas, which was a phenomenal program for Greek and Latin for that matter. And then from there applied to CUNY for and other places for uh, my PhD program. I was very glad to get into um, the Graduate Center. And then I did the program at CUNY and I have to say I really, really enjoyed it because the great diversity of people in my program and also the opportunity for classic to take courses from um, other universities as well. So we took courses from NYU, from Fordham, and from CUNY, at least I took from those three places um, and to enter into the larger community of classicists in New York City. Were you working at all while you were finishing your PhD? Uh, Yes, definitely. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I taught for quite a bit um, at primarily at Hunter College. Um, And then my last year, I taught about three different jobs at five different universities campuses um, just to you know finish off everything um, and pay the bills while I was finishing my dissertation and applying to jobs I I worked a little bit at Macaulay Honors College as like a writing mentor Um, I worked at the Schwartz Communication um, Institute down at Baruch and also all the while I taught at Hunter and I also taught a course at the College of New Rochelle, because I was living out there. So I've had a ton of teaching experience. And also I had started teaching Latin actually at my, in my master's program. So I had um, quite a bit of language teaching and some other courses um, teaching experience by the time I went on the job market. So where did you go first when you left the GC? Well, I actually went first to this job. Um, I know that's a rarity, but, you know, I was, it was a very rare circumstance, and I applied to whatever jobs were available and worked with my personal situation, and I got um, two interviews, 
both back in the Midwest, where I'm from, and I got this position here at Valparaiso University. So it was kind of a non-traditional setup, but what was really interesting is that when I interviewed for this job, they told me, I think they told me later that they weren't originally going to interview me because they were like, oh, she's from New York. She won't come to Northwest Indiana. And then as soon as I spoke with them um, in person during my interview, I mentioned something about how's the weather in Chicago or something that only a Midwesterner would know. And they're like, oh, are you from here? I was like, yeah, I'm actually from Chicago. They're like, oh, great. It changed the whole tone of the interview. And um, they were thrilled about that component because I'd be able to understand the students here and perhaps have a more likelihood of wanting to stay here since I'm from here. So it was kind of a surprise that I got a tenure track job right out. It's very rare. People ask, how did that happen? And in all seriousness, I'll be like, well, you know, my mom was praying that I get back to the Midwest and and it worked. The only two interviews I had were back in the Midwest. So there you have well, it. <laughs> what was the availability like of jobs in the classics when you were looking for teaching positions? I couldn't exactly tell you the numbers. I think I I only applied to, I think, about all told 11 to 15 jobs because of what was available to me, what would fit my description, and what would match some of my personal commitments. But I think maybe there were 30-some jobs, not that many. Before we get into details of your job search, tell me a little bit about what it's like at Valparaiso. It's a small, private, religious-affiliated, Lutheran, is it? Um, Yes. University. So what's it like being at that kind of university, you know, in comparison Mm -hmm. to the big public one, which I'm sure is totally different from CUNY? I was at first a little wondering what the Lutheran connection would mean. And I found out that it really has to do more with an understanding of education of the whole person and education for life and kind of a liberal arts backbone to education. So it's kind of interesting to me is that you don't have to be Lutheran to teach here. And so they're very open to many people of many different backgrounds. So I found that a relief to me. And I found it a very welcoming and warm place. I know a lot of people. I'm on first name basis with the provost. I know people from many different majors, many different programs. And I, I kind of like that. That component of knowing many different people and being able to work in an interdisciplinary way with them. One of the main differences coming here from New York City or the cornfield and the kind of small town component, you know, you go into town with your friends to get a beer or something and you might see students. So that was definitely a new phenomenon to me. But you kind of figure out how to do how to work around that. The other component with the student body, it's very different um, in terms of ethnic diversity. Um, But the nice thing is, is Northwest Indiana is close enough to Chicago that you do get some diversity. What I found is um, a larger quantity of diversity is with social economic diversity, cultural diversity in terms of just exposure to whether students are more sheltered um, or not. But students are students, I think. They're kind of all in the same boat. There's less ethnic diversity, but on the other hand, they're students and they're they're eager. They're kind of like an average CUNY student in that sense. Um, some very, very eager students, very, very intelligent students, and then students who were had a disadvantage in terms of the way they were educated in 
um, elementary school and high school. So you get the, the whole gamut here. I think one of the biggest differences here is that you can really make an impact in the university community because it's so small. Whereas um, at a larger place, people might not know you or it might be, there might be more bureaucracy to pass through in order to accomplish something or make some changes in the culture of the place or in the culture of your program. But here, I mean, first semester, they needed someone to kind of revive things. And I didn't quite know what I was getting into, but I was able as a first semester assistant professor to revise the classics curriculum into something that is more updated and more attractive to students. So, updating the classics. <laughs> yes, exactly. So because the way it's, it is taught now and the different components mm-hmm. of how it does have an impact on so many things in our, in our current day culture and has something to say, and everybody from any political spectrum always goes back to um, citing the Greeks and the Romans. So bringing this forward to students now and so they can see the relevance of it um, is an important mission, I think, of classics in any institution. So I was able to network with a lot of university professors from other universities or other small colleges and see how they've updated their curricula. And I was able to change the program now to Greek and Roman studies. It's geared towards a much more global audience and has kind of gotten rid of some of the more, I don't know, stale infrastructure. And on that note, why don't you tell us a little bit about your responsibilities as an assistant professor? What kind of hours are you keeping, your interactions with students, your teaching load, stuff like that? One thing that's really nice about this institution as well is that the culture here is faculty go home around 5 or 4.30 every day, and they do not email you on the weekends. And that, to me, coming from New York was a huge relief because then you can have some sort of appropriate work-life balance. You can have your family. You can have some sort of social life to whatever extent you can as your pre-tenure. But but there's allowance for that. And they expect you on the weekends to relax a little bit. They expect you during the summer to relax a little bit. That's a basis, which is wonderful. My particular situation, unfortunately, has been very challenging, unfortunately, in the sense that you learn so much on the job, whether it be marketing or curriculum proposals or um, assessments or all these different things that you didn't have to do as a graduate student, you learn on the job. So I think I've received a lot of responsibility really fast. But on the other hand, I've learned a whole ton. So that's been really um, incredible. So what are my particular responsibilities? So right now, we're in a, an unusual situation where there originally were two classicists here, full-time classicist professors, and right now I am the only full-time professor um, of classics. I'm in the foreign language department, so we have French, German, Spanish, Chinese, and Japanese, and Greek and Latin. So mm-hmm. I teach Greek and Latin and all the culture courses, whether it be archaeology, mythology, Greek civilization, Roman civilization, topics courses, Greek and Latin roots, you name it. I've, in the past two years, prepared 14 completely different preps and delivered them. So it's definitely been a challenge in that sense because of those 14 preps, 13 were completely new to me. Two of them were independent studies, 
but still they're independent studies on, on new topics. So, and also part of the reason why I've had such an immense load is because I created a new curriculum to kind of restart the classics program, which was kind of dying. Um, but because there's a new curriculum, now I have to help some students transition from the old curriculum and graduate from the old curriculum, which had mm -hmm. more demands than at the same time jumpstarting this new curriculum which has more focus on the culture courses and it enables students to double major a little bit more easily. That has definitely been a challenge. My first year, I was really un unable to get much publication or writing in. And then the second year, this year, I've been able to get something out, but it's been a challenge in that sense. So then also I'm technically the section head. In terms of all the administrative work, whether it be advising, helping students with study abroad, coming to meetings, making decisions about the program as one of the section heads, and all those other different administrative things that I really had no idea about. Those are the other kinds of responsibilities that a section head has. That's kind of the gamut of what I do here, and it's been an interesting experience. What does your, your personal scholarship like in this work environment? How much writing or publishing have you been doing? I think you mentioned you got something out this year. Yes. So my first year, I really tried to write a little bit, but I did not publish anything except mm -hmm. for a book review or two. I was able to publish a performance review. So I brought a group of students to Chicago to watch a, a Greek play. And then I did a performance review uh, based on that play. So I tried mm -hmm. to make the teaching extracurricular opportunity actually work in favor of publishing something. That was a good opportunity. A lot of people here tend to do the research in the summers. It's part of the culture in one sense. But research is very valued here. And they have this ideal of a teacher scholar that they um, try to promote. This year, I joined a writing circle. So I was able to share my work with other faculty from around the campus, and that was really helpful. And then I found a professor emeritus who could help me with some of my research goals and just talk about my research with him. Even though he's not in classics, he has some background in um, ancient Greek and Roman things and in general. So I was able to talk with him. And then this past semester, I kind of committed myself to writing 45 minutes every day in the morning from nine to 10, Monday through Friday. And I was able to get an article out that way. So I now I think I have three reviews, an article out and another article that's on the way. And what's really neat, some people that I know started a Chicago region workshop for junior faculty in classics. Mm -hmm. And this is a phenomenal thing, which two junior faculty from University of Chicago and Wheaton College started this where we will get together once a semester beforehand, circulate some papers, some people respond, and let's say there's just 15 of us from Northwestern University of Illinois, Indiana University, UW-Madison, et cetera, and we get together and discuss our papers together. And it's a really great opportunity to share your research, but also to support each other um, in trying to figure out being a junior faculty member and also getting things published and how to juggle everything. So that's been a really terrific network that has helped me along as well. That sounds really helpful. I, I like the idea mm -hmm. of this. How might you look for something like that 
in a different discipline or even a different part of the country? These folks reached out to me. One professor at Wheaton College was also feeling a little bit isolated, and he made connection with my friend, who's at the University of Chicago, and they basically looked up all the junior faculty in the general in the area and contacted mm. us directly. So I do find that responding to invited lectures is a really helpful way to get to know people. Going mm-hmm. to your regional conference is a really helpful way because then you can meet people at, at nearby universities. I know a lot of the people at Notre Dame, so I'll go there and do research. I went and gave a lecture up in Michigan. So I think, especially if you're at a smaller institution, any opportunity to meet people outside the institution who are in your field can Mm -hmm. open up opportunities like this, because then you learn about different conferences, different workshop groups, et cetera. Or if it doesn't exist and you're in a small group like Classics, you could just start your own, right? Exactly. So let's go back to some job search info. So you said you maybe applied to 10 to 15 positions, I think you said. What was your prep like? What did you do for your documents? You know, what did you have to include Uh, in your applications? I did a dry run a year before I was ready to go on the job market, just in case. And I think I only applied to three jobs, Um, but because of that dry run, I had letters of recommendation lined up. I had my research statement, my teaching philosophy, my writing sample. I had all that lined up. So that helped immensely when the following year, when I really was about to finish, I um, was really on the job market because then I just took from those materials and updated them or revise them. And I worked a lot with the Career Center. I worked a lot with with you all, and you guys were wonderful and really helpful. (laughs) Um, We also had a course um, in the Classics program where we spent the entire semester just working, I think it was like a one credit course, I don't remember exactly, where we just worked on the professionalization of our profile um, and these materials and documents. And I found that immensely helpful as well. The other thing that I did do, which is kind of tangential to the actual job search, is that I would go to the career center and make plan, you know, B, C, D, E, F, and G in case I didn't get an academic job. So that was one thing that actually I found very, very helpful and I still do because I realized I can do many different things. I took all the different tests and whatever. Um, and I explored other opportunities and made some connections and networks with different people, whether they're working in academic administration or in high school teaching or in think tanks or in nonprofits. So I had a lot of connections going into the job search. So that mm-hmm. really, it really boosted my morale <laughs> going into the job search because I realized, you know what, I'll try for this. And if it doesn't happen or if it's just not going to work, I'll do something else for a year. Um, or I had my teaching kind of lined up that I could teach enough courses within the CUNY system to make things work and move along. So I have to say that was an integral part of my job search preparation was just looking at other avenues for the future and not feeling like I would be stuck if I didn't get my ideal academic job or an academic job at all right off. So I would say that was probably one of the most important things. How did you prep for the interviews? Well, we had some mock interviews through this one credit course I was telling you about. 
that was very helpful because I was able to practice Skype interviewing. That was really helpful. And then I did mock interviews. Once I knew I had interviews with professors or with institutions, I practiced again with a colleague or a friend and had a series of questions that were on the website. Joy Connolly wrote this guide for classics people going on the job market. So I looked at her questions and wrote little blurbs about what I would say. But also when I did the on-campus interview or even the in-person interview, I made a point to like read everything about the the institution, but particularly the classics department inside and out and Mm -hmm. see just the kinds of courses that they offer and see what courses I would like to offer, what courses I could offer, what course they might want, but I don't know if I could offer. Like, for example, even for this job, I kind of left before applying to it. One of the very specific things they asked for for this job was that someone could teach archaeology. Mm-hmm. And I really know very little about archaeology. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I'm a literature person. But I was like, well, I'll try. When I looked a little deeper, I realized they're really looking for a generalist, someone who could teach many different things. So what I did to prepare for the in-person interview is I particularly thought about that archaeology course because they had mentioned it. and like, well, how could I teach that? What kind of experience could I bring into it? So one thing I did is I applied for a program to do the summer between graduation and the fall at the American Academy in Rome so that I could have some experience looking at at archaeological artifacts Mm -hmm. on site and bring that into my archaeology course and also bring that to the interview saying, I don't have a ton of experience in archaeology, but Mm -hmm. I'm going to this program that's six weeks long at the American Academy in Rome, and I'm going to gain a lot of insight from there. You know, I do a little bit of work with this in my dissertation. So I was able to present a case for that course in the interview Mm -hmm. that um, was helpful. And as it is, I just taught that course this past semester and it works. Right. And I think you're speaking really well on why we encourage students to be specific with their job materials. Like like you did research on that university, found out exactly what courses they needed for their program yeah. to run, and then you fit, mm-hmm. you explain to them how you can fit in there very easily. That's really great yeah. that it worked for you. That was such mm-hmm. a good idea. So what other advice would you have for current graduate students who are looking to get that additional professionalization, um, maybe expand their network? So one other thing that I found very helpful being a junior faculty in a, in a smaller institution um, is that I am on a committee in our national society. I'm on uh, this, the Society for Classical Studies. One thing that fell into my lap while I was in graduate school was an opportunity to be on the graduate advisory committee, uh, or badger. it was really a graduate advisory group at the time. Um, I was working at the time with Joy Connolly um, before she was the provost at CUNY. <laughs> um, what was interesting is this was like a small unofficial group of graduate students who are thinking of proposing ideas to the SCS for the betterment of graduate students, et cetera. And it now has become an actual committee within the SCS. So Mm -hmm. because I was on the previous one, I'm also part of the actual committee. And because now I have graduated and am a assistant professor, I'm the chair by default. During our national meetings, it has uniquely positioned me to meet a lot of people in my field 
who are kind of the movers and the shakers of the national organization have gained a larger, a greater knowledge of people in my field who make things happen on on a national level. Um, and I found that a very enriching opportunity, but also great for professional development. So I found it really helpful to not only go to conferences and present at conferences, but also if there are small opportunities, sometimes these service opportunities in professional organizations can be a helpful tool for networking and your professional Mm -hmm. advancement later. And they're national, so you probably know classes all over the country now from that. Yes, definitely. Is there any um, last bits of advice you want to give to Graduate Center students, maybe particularly classicists, but maybe not? I think that the most important thing for going on the job market or for going anywhere in one sense in in an academic field is to know yourself and be able to have a work-life balance and know how to create boundaries about Mm -hmm. how much you want to work, um, how much you think your work is worth to a certain extent. And that's why also I really strongly encourage any graduate student to explore other career options, Mm -hmm. not just the traditional um, professor route, just because it is very empowering to know that with a PhD, you can do many different things. And Mm -hmm. they're all of completely equal worth. And you're bringing all your expertise and the skills you've gained to the table. So I found that preparing in that way has, it really helped me on the job market. And it also provides me a certain security now as well, knowing that I can Mm -hmm. do anything. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was, that was really good advice to um, explore all your options Mm -hmm. so that you know you can go many different ways after graduate school. Yeah. Then we can wrap up and I want to thank you so much for taking time Mm -hmm. out of your morning and talking to us. Thank you so much. You're welcome. It was a pleasure. Thanks again to Alana for spending time to talk with us about her job search and her work at Valparaiso. If you'd like to make an appointment with one of our career advisors like Alana did, visit our website at cuny.is slash career plan. And you can follow us on Twitter at career plan GC. Thanks for listening.